0: Welcome back to the Football Library, the second half of my chat with Ibrahim Mustafa, who's written a book no longer naive about African football and the World Cup. Uh, 2009, the under-20 World Cup. Uh, the final was between Ghana and Brazil. In- uh, OK. Well, that's but the it was, under...
1: It was, hosted, it was held in Egypt. But it was why, held uh, in Egypt.
0: What- I'll just look at who is in that Brazil team, because I'm sure that twerp was in it. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, you're a father. Uh yeah. Neymar he's 29 years old he's yeah. he's, he's better than this uh, in fact he didn't play yeah. um, didn't play Alex Teixeira Alan Kardec Mike On uh, and the Ghana team included Jonathan Menzar Daniel Addo got sent off Andre Ayew was the captain um, but yes Neymar not a great example for our children
1: no I mean um, I think as a footballer I'm actually I, 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 I love watching him I think he's you know I think he's you know I think there's a currency in, current trend in modern football that everyone is focused on being very technical, you know, everyone loves like the midfielder who can retain possession and break up play and play like a million passes and have like, 100% pass completion, whereas, you know, just that bit of flair and just a bit of trickery that, you know, I, I really love watching Neymar as that, but then he sort of offsets that with everything else, basically. Does They're something. not
0: playing every up, right? February because he can't be bothered because yeah. it's too cold.
1: Exactly.
0: Sorry, no one ever paid money to see N'Golo Kante play football.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, and that's the thing, Yeah, someone like Neymar is just, um, he could have been in that sort of, you know, we talk about Brazilian flair players from years gone by, he could have been in that, sort of that reg- held in that regard of, you know, like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, yeah. sort of, you know, held up there like that, but just, yeah, it just comes across very not not as well, basically, does
0: he? Well, here's, he just here's the conundrum. Uh, and I'd like you to name your African 11s. I've decided to split it into North Africa and not North Africa. But if Roger Miller is saying that South, the African teams need to develop on a team level, I think Brazil are going to win the Qatar World Cup. I don't bet, but I might put a tenner on it because it's, it's hot. They've got a good team, a good manager. They've got the mighty Richarlison. Um, Edison yeah. in goal i think it's brazil's yeah. to lose so long as neymar is injured and doesn't play um <laughs> so i'm i'm tempted to ask you what kind of team that you think african teams will strive for will it want kind of a 7 at the back one flair player and two attackers or would it want kind of 442
1: um yeah i think organization will be key it will definitely be a, you know you'll get a solid back four with a a good holding midfielder and yeah, maybe like allowing the freedom of maybe an attacking midfielder and a, and a, yeah, a couple of attacking midfielders. I mean, you know, like I say, someone like Algeria with having Riyad Mahrez in their team will be sort of like the, the gem of that side. And obviously we, again, across North Africa, we have uh, their old rivals, Egypt with Mo Salah, who will be the man, the man in focus after Everything that sort of happened where, in 2018, where that was supposed to be the case, but unfortunately, injury and a couple of other things helped um, sort of derail. Completely that.
0: forgot um, about all of that with Kadyrov. Completely forgot. But yeah, yeah that was a huge yeah. scandal. So I'm going to ask you to name by position or by defence midfield attack. So you've got a North Africa 11, and that is Tunisia, Algeria, Egypt, Morocco, and then Sub Saharan, Nigeria, Senegal, Ghana, Cameroon, Ivory Coast togo south africa would you put the old egyptian chap in goal for the north african team or is there a better keeper um yeah i mean the the the, the, the guy who played in the um in the, um, the uh, last world cup 45 El yeah
1: yeah yeah the um he has a, like the best story doesn't he for being like 45 years old and saving a penalty at the um <laughs> at the world cup <laughs> yeah. um yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just the sort of recency bias, I think you, you you throw him in there because he just... And he would have played during sort of Egypt's boom period that unfortunately for them didn't coincide with any World Cup qualifications, um, famously losing to Algeria to make 2010. Um, but they were, they were in that period where they were winning multiple Afri- Afcons and um, even performed well in the Confederations Cup. Um, but yeah, they just failed to qualify for the World Cup. Um, other than that, I'd probably go for again Sub-Saharan and maybe Thomas and Kono, because he's sort of like a consensus pick as Africa's greatest goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Gianluigi Buffon inspiration, inspiring Buffon to change from playing up front to playing in goal as a 12 year old when he saw him at the uh, 1990 World Cup. So, um, it's either him or... S. M. Um...
0: El-Hadari. Yes. Page
1: 217
0: on this PDF. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go with the back four for maybe Southern Africa first.
1: Well, let's go with the back three, okay. perhaps. Basically, yeah. Um, so gone, I went for Lucas Radaby, just because um, he was that sort of post-apartheid South Africa sort of growth, that little boom at sort of like the mid to late nineties. Um, he was obviously at the playing in the heart of the defence. He moved to England and played in uh, for Leeds when they were doing really well and. You know, in this country, it was the first sight of a, a great African defender, a captain of a Premier League side. It's a, it's a really big deal for, you know, yeah. not just African football, but South
0: Africa, given everything that had gone on for the past 40 years, you know? Yeah, still big in like the yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, famously, the Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser band Chiefs. Band named,
1: named after Lucas Raderby's previous club. That's why, his, uh,
0: when I first yeah. heard I predict a riot, uh, I heard it on Zeno's yeah. show and they said they're from Leeds I went, ah, there must be Leeds fans because Lucas Radaba yeah. played for Kaiser Kaisershus. I remember that from the football yeah. stickers. So next to yeah. Radaba, uh, you have an embarrassment of riches at the back.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I go, uh, go for like Garnet and Sammy Kufour
0: mm-hmm.
1: who played for Bayern Munich for what about a decade winning the Bundesliga multiple times in their defence and um, obviously the Champions League as well, famously obviously played in that final against Man United and was see beating the ground in tears after the la the social winner. Yeah, but he he obviously had a great career not punctuated by that one moment. And uh yeah, it was like again it's again it's another big deal of seeing like a, a great African defender playing for a top club regularly and starring in all their successes. It's got it was a big deal that the nineties sort of changed everything for yeah. that, didn't it? it As perceptions were definitely change, and sort of like the real sort of antidote to something like Ilunga, you know? All those years ago and the, the perception that, you know, African defenders don't know how to play football, but actually you have ones who are good enough to play for the top clubs in in Europe and the world.
0: Uh, I missed the, the other quiz question. What is the Zulu word? What if Lucas Radaba was saying, let's rejoice? What would the word be? Jabulani. Jabulani.
1: Jabulani. The famous Jabulani, the much maligned Jabulani football.
0: Where which, uh, are they now? Did they like discontinue them? Is one of them in like a football museum yeah. somewhere?
1: I think they'll possibly in, be in be a football museum, or probably just the unpredictable flight of the ball. Probably I think I've got anywhere. one.
0: I, I now I think I'm going to hang Jabulani from the ceiling of the football library, maybe in the Diego Forlan corner.
1: Yeah, because he yeah. did the, really the, the one player uh pointed out. What the one player who mastered. The Jabulani very early on, while everyone else was complaining about it, Diego Forlan thought, "You know what? I'm going to make this work to my advantage." And yeah, if you look back on the goals he scored in that tournament, it's like, yeah, he's very much taking advantage of the flight of the ball to, you
0: know,
1: yeah. to trick goalkeepers. So, yeah.
0: So you got Kafour, Radaba, who else?
1: And I went to the Colo
0: third, Of my course. Answer, you know. Yeah. Just because,
1: yeah, you know. Arsenal again, uh, but yeah, you know he was an invincible in the Arsenal
0: team where nobody expected him to.
1: Like the the real one when people talk about the Arsenal Wenger gems that he found, Kolo Torre has got to be like the one that's held up there. You know, signed for like half a million quid, uh, not really didn't really have a position when he started out. Sort of played in midfield and right back and stuff, and then you know going into the most crucial season of Wenger's reign, he's like right stick you alongside Sol Campbell and see what happens. And uh, yeah went on to become uh, an invincible, win the Premier League title. Um, Later moved on to Manchester City, although his better years are probably slightly behind him. Still played a part in them winning the Premier League title. And then, a lot of people do forget, he went on to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Again, probably as a utility player rather than a starter, but he did play a role in them almost winning the Premier League title, which would have made him, I believe, the first player to win three Premier League titles with three different clubs. But unfortunately, yeah, the Liverpool... You can blame Stephen Gerrard
0: for that. Yeah. I think also yeah. maybe three First Division titles, it goes all the way back. And uh, yeah. I've yeah. just had a look, because I know he's a coach somewhere. He will be... Uh, Leicester now. He's yeah. at Leicester, so he'll be yeah. man coaching in the Champions League this season. Well,
1: yeah. Um, and he also um, helps our Ivory Coast. Yeah. Uh, famously, you know, the growth of that team. And uh, yeah, more on, those, more on them in a, bit, a bit as well. Yeah, yeah well, um, it's
0: so difficult yeah. to choose your your front... will be front uh, seven... For Southern yeah, more,
1: it, 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 I'll, I'll give you. I'll put my hands up now. The, the front seven will be very, very disjointed and probably wouldn't work together as a team. But I'm just
0: shoehorning these names in just for <laughs> trying to make 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 it work. Basically. If you have got Michael Essien and a front six, maybe that will work. But
1: essentially, you, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. yeah
0: rather than naming my, a North it, yeah. North African defense, can you just name some good North African defenders? I
1: think the interesting thing about sort of North Africa there was um a lot of them never left like, especially in Egypt um a lot of them never left Egypt to and they were they regarded as heroes in sort of African football and North African football um there's one defender in particular let me just sorry I I'm, I'm going to have to call up his name here he was um oh. he doesn't get a mention in the book actually but um he um, cuz he only remained in in Africa because they didn't qualify for the World Cup he oh, wouldn't course. have made the World Cup so yeah so he doesn't get any mention in the book, but he is um, Goma. Yes, yes. Wow, Goma. Yes. Yeah. He's um, yeah, right. Yeah, considered you know one of the best Egyptian players, but yeah, he never really left Egypt. So you know,
0: why would you? Yeah. You get free, free drinks.
1: Yeah, and he was yeah, yeah. His name comes up, you know, when you talk about like you know you always thinking like great Egyptian defenders. So when you you know in that yeah, but he never left them. So
0: and also <laughs> he was. He wouldn't yeah. displace Radaba, Kolo Toure yeah, no, and Sami to feel, yeah, yeah. So, th- so that's what we'll do. So for this midfield, uh, which could have Riyad Mahrez and Mo Salah in it. Um... Yes,
1: I'm putting Salah in midfield, which might be sort of sacrilege to people who actually see him play. But yeah, I'll put him in the midfield there, Salah. Um, maybe one of the wide positions. In, I'll go 3-4-3 three, three, uh-huh. and I'll put him as one of the wide in the four in the middle. What basically. are the wing-backs. So, yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, controversially. Yeah, um, and yeah, because obviously Salah was, um, you know, he, joined, he went to like what Roma, Chelsea, and then um, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Then he went back to Italy, and it was just, okay. Here we go. <laughs> and then he went to Liverpool, and well, the records he broke in
0: that first season at Liverpool were. Um, Did you say? You know, I mean, forty-seven sorry? goals in that season.
1: Yeah, it was just absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, from essentially someone I'm putting in midfield now. <laughs> yeah, he um, he broke numerous records. First, is t- first fastest player to twenty goals.
0: First player to score against every Premier League team, or something like that. Yeah. It was just just the records he broke
1: that season were just unreal. And like I say, yeah, twenty seventeen eighteen that was and eight. You know, he got them to Champions League final. Famously got injured against Real Madrid. um... Sergio so Ramos pantomime villain dragging him to the ground and him dislocating his shoulder in that game missing out on the potentially winning the Champions League and then obviously compromising his, his position for playing at the World Cup and he was unfit basically he, he he featured in the last game scored a great goal but um yeah they finished bottom of the group because you know everything had been disrupted with everything that was going on with Salah with his injury and um yeah, the controversial meeting with uh, Kanarov uh, before one of the
0: games. So he's on the left, who's on the right?
1: Probably quite a, a self-indulgent pick, JJ Okocha. Again, what I was saying about Neymar, just uh, a fun player to watch, someone you just constantly entertain by. He didn't score a lot of goals or get a lot of assists in his career, funny enough, JJ Okocha, but he was just, um, like, you know... No one did. No one ever J. JJ Okocha and thought, "Ah, I'm not. I'm not enjoying this." Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> and also, yeah. Wenger hated playing against Bolton. Of course, yeah. Arsenal would yeah, have course, basically,
1: yeah, getting kicked over the par- all over the park, and then they'll give the ball to JJ Okocha, who will just, you know, there's a famous clip that, you know, we talk about things like being youtube uh and uh, TikToks and things like that. But this one still gets shown. It's uh, when Arsenal played Bolton in 2003, I believe, and. Threw away a two-goal lead to draw two-all. Um, there's a bit in the corner where JJ kotcha He's being surrounded by two players, and he does like the rainbow flip yep. on the goal line over I think, is Ray Parler, and it just it just looks it's just sensational. Basically,
0: yeah, yeah. flummoxing Ray yeah. Parler. It's not hard to do, yeah. but <laughs> um, well,
1: yeah. I mean, and there's always a, there's a story about when he was a PSG, he basically inspired Ronaldinho. He, he mentored him, so you know. There's that, there's that little knock-on effect there. Well, well It's and a shame it,
0: Ronaldinho it, it, didn't listen to the life advice.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and obviously, like we say, going to Bolton and, you know, inspiring a small part of Lancashire to be, like, <laughs> a bit of a flair central in the Premier League. Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um, though, and yeah. Bolton are, since then, oh, I've spoken to Chris Flanagan, who wrote a book about <laughs> uh, Bolton's European journey in the 2000s. Um, yeah. And that's a fine yeah. story. If
1: he Drew would buy Munich, I seem to forget. Yeah. Yeah, in, they yeah. should have won. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Who put the ball in yeah. the Munich net, Kevin Davis. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine we'll mention uh, Michael Essien in the middle, uh, midfield. I don't know who yeah. you've got next to him.
1: Uh, Yaya Toure, because he's, I mean, I think Yaya Toure is just the best. He's just, yeah. I mean, watching him when he was at his pomp for Manchester City. Because he kind of had a he had a slower start. Because he, um, again, going back to Arsenal, famously he played in a trial match for Arsenal, but couldn't get a work permit for him. And I think he ended up at like Monaco, Olympiacos before going to Barcelona, where it really sort of set him alight. And then when he was at Manchester City, he was just just frightening for a couple of years, where he looked like um, I always compared it to. But like, you know, if you're in school and you're a year seven and a year ten decides to come and play football with mm. you. That's what I thought Yaya Toure looked like in the Premier League at times. You know, I, he was just, yeah, I he hope, couldn't get
0: near. I hope he gets the same, uh, he gets talked about in the same way as Patrick Vieira. Uh, not just because of the yeah. African connection, but because he scored a winning yeah. goal in a cup final and what a goal it was. That means we get to sing wow. the Kolo Yaya song. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which uh, is good
1: yeah, for when two. When this team un- goes out to play, all the fans in the stand will have that at least at their disposal. So yeah,
0: it's a great. Song. It's two unlimited's best contribution to football. But um, yeah. <laughs> to bring in, to bring back some politics before you give us your front three. Um, yeah. it is a very technical book. Uh, as <laughs> what's your mum's name? Uh, Doris. Doris Mustafa. Technical yeah. <laughs> Put that on the on this second issue. Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a Yahoo review, that's the a, a, a Amazon review, it's just
0: technical. <laughs> Football was used to, you say, pacify African subjects by European overlords at the end of the 19th century. You'd have natives yeah. versus huh. missionaries. And then in 1957, uh, the African Football mm-hmm. Federation, the CAF, was founded. And yet, in 1958, it was farcical and it was because of little old Israel. And you you detail this really well in the book, No Longer Naive. It's a farce, because no one wanted to play them. So what happened?
1: Yeah, so you had um, qualifying campaigns, which were... Well, you wouldn't... not, Not like now. It wasn't a case that, you know, you have an African section of qualifying, you have an Asian section, you have a North American, South American section, or European section. It was almost like a free-for-all at times. Like, the uh, Africans would start playing off against each other, but then once they progressed, they'd be like, right, you get to play the team from, say, the Middle East, yeah, Asia and places like that, and um, even U- UEFA. You know, sometimes you'd have to play against a team from Europe. Um, but, um, yeah, a lot of the time, because there was obviously a lot of instability around that area of the Middle East, obviously involving Israel, and a lot of these um, teams were just, like, flat-out saying, no, we... we, we want to we can't travel over there and then ended up just withdrawing from the process or being disqualified depending on how you want to read it but um yeah and it was you know it's very complicated at times rather than you know the sort of more straightforward qualification process we're more familiar with today Yeah, so, you, know, you know you'd get things being made to put, go elsewhere and face teams um yeah but then obviously the state of the world and politics made it sort of you know Bases had to take a stand. And I imagine the footballers probably, uh, you know, how political were the footballers, but you'd imagine definitely it'd be sort of ruling bodies that were making the decisions over the players at that time.
0: Yeah, footballers just seemed to be serfs. And so who, of all people, of all the possible football characters, who emerges as a kind of saviour of African football?
1: Um, Zhao Havalanche.
0: Boom! uh, yeah a Brazilian um would be head of FIFA
1: at the time who just basically just sweet talked African football and said, um, hey, you know, we'll get you more places at the World Cup, we'll um get Pele to travel over there and play tour games with Brazil, which he did many times. Um, yeah, it was just um yeah, you know, they you know, that Brazilian African connection almost that sort of sparked from then and you know, and yeah, getting more African teams into the World Cup, which was obviously you know a very progressive move. Uh, you know, you can be cynical and say it was a vote winner for someone like Avalanche, but um, yeah, it worked, and you know, more African teams and the World Cup became more inclusive.
0: And from what I've read about FIFA, you do put the was it the Hotel du Lac yeah. arrest, yeah. <laughs> but for African yeah. football as a whole, it is so good that FIFA money is going. They are putting more football pitches and they're trying to put an infrastructure yeah. in through FIFA I don't know how much you've read about that yeah I mean yeah certainly so I mean um I mean that's the thing I mean Sepp Blatter is always painted as this
1: sort of uh Boo. this villain uh, person but yeah he was for what for his faults he was attempting to be inclusive I mean again you know you can be cynical and say how much did he benefit from that personally but the bigger picture was that yeah, you know, he wanted Africa to host World Cup tournaments, he wanted more teams in there as well. He wanted the the game to be more global in rather than so Eurocentric as it had been for a century up until, you know, him he was at the head of the top of the table, basically. So, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those there's two sides to every story yeah. thing. So, you know, as much Although, as we want to... Although, go David,
0: David Goldblatt, to whom I still haven't spoken, has yeah. written this book, The Age of Football, and his conclusion is that African football is under threat. Because if you've got, mm-hmm. I don't know, Kaiser Chiefs against the Orlando Pirates, but yeah. at, it's kicking off at two, and then at three o'clock there's Man U Chelsea on the TV... Which one is yeah. your person in Johannesburg going to watch? And that is unfortunately where modern football yeah. is going because it's meritocratic and the better players uh play for English clubs. So that's the yeah. worry. Uh but yeah. conversely it means that people like SEN and the Torres and Salah and Mares are going to play in these games. They are yeah. the top talent and it's great for Africa yeah. and great for the players. Yeah.
1: Well this is it I and mean, then. You know if you want to go on a sort of like a fairy tale route, it will inspire the next generation of sort of younger African footballers to know that they can reach the very the very pinnacle of the game and be starring in Champions League finals for you know the top European clubs I mean yeah, maybe that feel that is a threat to sort of African football as a the infrastructure of African football but for the growth of African players and maybe sort of longer term that can, almost that maybe could reverse, you know, mm-hmm. if, if more, better, if better players and loads of talent is coming out of Africa, maybe that will mean that African football can grow itself. You know, maybe you'll get players who are exceptionally good, but won't leave Africa at some point. You Positive. I mean, like talking about talking about with Egypt and how sort of top players will remain in Egypt rather than try and go to Europe. You know, if that filters down across the rest of the continent, maybe you'll have like a because there, there's a big push at the moment from CAF to try and improve the African Champions League. Yeah, if better players are able to sort of stick around and make that competition, I mean, obviously it will probably never reach the, the status of the Champions League in Europe, but. You know, if you can get it watched at least, you know, you get it watched beyond the borders of Africa, then um, yeah, that, that's a positive in itself,
0: yeah. isn't it? Usually, Egyptian teams that compete in the African Champions League. Finals? This is
1: it, yeah. There's a very, there's a very North African slant on it, but hmm. um, yeah, but the, you know, if, if more, if like I say, if it can grow sort of beyond that, then you know, things will be things will be good, basically.
0: Um, and I, I mentioned this, and we don't have time to go into this, but it is in the book, Diego, uh, Diego Drogba. you will have that. Didier. Didier. His friends call him Diego. <laughs> Didier, Didier, yeah, Diego, yeah. Didier Drogba um, uh, united the Ivory Coast because there was a war in the early 2000s and uh, that's in the yeah. book. Uh, but I think Diego uh, is on my mind because, here's a quiz question, against which international team, uh, and this is an easy question, did the Argentinian... Diego Maradona, play his last international. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, he played his last international against Nigeria in 1994, famously. Um, Yeah, they came back, Argentina came back from a goal down to beat Nigeria 2-1. Diego Maradona, I think, basically getting assists for both goals. Playing a part, no, one of them he didn't get an assist, but he laid off the free kick that led to the shot that blocked him. So basically, he played a part in both goals and then was famously led off the pitch by um, the nurse. I think it's one of the most famous pictures from his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's all smiles, and uh, that was the last time he was ever seen on a football pitch for for Argentina at World
0: Cup. Guillaume Balagay's new biography is the first posthumous biography of Maradona, one of the most written about footballers. I'm waiting for the paperback. The hardback is in the football library.
1: And the the, the interesting thing about the um, Maradona situation, um, he also, that was his last game playing against Nigeria. He also managed against Nigeria for Argentina. (laughs) Yeah, later on in his career when he uh, was... That interesting experiment that they did to give him the managerial reins,
0: thinking that he could possibly bring them back to the World Cup, which, in hindsight, just looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you read John Wilson's book, Angels with Dirty Faces, about Argentina, there is no other football nation like Argentina. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. Which Chelsea legend played for Nigeria in the '94 World Cup?
1: Ooh! Um...
0: <laughs> this is a very cheeky Chelsea, question. You're saying
1: Chelsea legend. Um, Michael Emanalo.
0: yes. Who was yes, the he, um, who brought a lot of African footballers to Chelsea, including Drogba? Yeah,
1: exactly. He um, yeah played in that World Cup, and um, I think he was um, against Italy in the, um, the the painful defeat. He uh, played a key role in um, I think getting Gianfranco Zola yeah. to get sent off. in that game. Hugely so, yeah, ironic. The Chelsea connection is uh, yeah.
0: And yeah. Uh, talking about sendings off, how many Cameroon players finished the Argentina game in 1990?
1: Fortunately, they finished with nine. <laughs>
0: yeah, unbelievable, and that we know the famous <laughs> Benjamin Massing clip. Um, but you call oh, it a defensive yeah. masterclass. I suppose it was in a way.
1: Well, yeah, it's, um, yeah. They kept they they shackled. Uh, uh, they 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 bullied them. Basically, they bullied them into you know not really posing much of a threat. I mean, I rewatched the game, and it was just like, yeah, Argentina. These are the world champions, and they just they just can't get they can't do anything. Basically, yeah.
0: Um, The book is called No Longer Naive. Um, You say that Ghana were perhaps had a reckless naivety pushing for an equaliser against Brazil. You say Kaita was inexplicable and naive when he got sent off against Greece. Um, You say Nigeria were naive on set pieces against Croatia in 2018. You also say, if football was a game of 85 minutes, we would have an African winner of the World Cup by now. (laughs) Well, you, you, I
1: think, mean, you, as you've gone through it, you see how many sort of last-minute heartaches have African teams suffered, you know, be it late equalisers or conceding late goals, you know, you think... I mean, that was obviously tongue-in-cheek, like, but, yeah, it's true. you know, if these teams can just, like, stick it out for 90 minutes, then, you know, things may have been better, you know, just a bit more concentration, a bit more focus, you
0: know? Uh, yeah. So if if an all-star African eleven had a front three... Oh, yeah. My uh, um, who yeah. would you tell can't play because I've got a feeling who the front three are, but who can't get in that team?
1: Uh, who can't get in the team? Um, unfortunately, the man who probably blazed the trail in at the start of the nineties, Roger Miller. Unfortunately, would be my man to miss super out. Sub. unfortunately, he's super sub. Yeah, he yeah, can be super sub. Yeah, as he, as he was in uh, the, for a lot of nineteen ninety. Actually, yeah, you yeah. Know, people, yeah, people look back on his. Uh, his um, performances in that tournament, but actually he didn't start a game.
0: <laughs> you okay, know? Well, so, and that also, that means no Cameroonians will write in and complain. Yeah. So we've got a Cameroonian. Uh, perhaps we need an Ivorian, a Liberian, a Ghanaian, a Nigerian. Who have you gone for?
1: You, you mentioned Liberian again. Another trailblazer in George Ware, although he didn't actually play at a World Cup, and uh, I think I pointed out in the book, in brief, briefly cover him and how he. Was but arguably, you know, winning that treble of the European Footballer of the Year, the World Player of the Year, and the um, African Footballer of the Year in '95. It was, I believe, mm-hmm. um, just basically, yeah. And you know, that was it. Like, the Afri- an African footballer had reached the heights that no one would have ever considered. And so, yeah, he definitely gets in. He's also um,
0: the president of Liberia. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, um, Didier Drogba. Yeah, he goes in there because he's he's just brilliant for Chelsea and Ivory
1: Coast, just bringing that country together, as we said, um, and helping them qualify for the World Cup. And although, yeah, his World Cup performances themselves weren't actually great, although he did, he has, he still has a couple of World Cup goals to his name. I mean, he was injured ahead of 2014, which is uh, a problem for him and them.
0: Well, he shouldn't um, really have really right gone because it, the doctor yeah. said you're not going to recover, and he said. Yeah. It's 10 days. Yeah. The World Cup is in 10 days. Yeah. He's, he's written play, a book then. called yeah. Commitment, yeah. which is in the football yeah. library. I don't know if you've read it. Yes, yeah. you have read his book. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Broken arm 10 days before the World Cup. And he says, no, I have to play. And um, probably shouldn't have done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you never, you are never, it's once in four years. Um, so, yes. Where? Um, Drogba? And, Solomon Kalou? And Kallune. finally.
1: <laughs> um, I put, but, um, well, actually, I don't know if they, was, they were teammates by the time Etu got there, but Samuel Etu I will put up there because of just his, his more his club stuff than his international stuff. Because yeah, I think I pointed out yeah when he was with, with Cameroon, there were there were issues over money um, <laughs> one year, um, so yeah, that um, sort of impacted any anything he would have done for Cameroon in the, the World Cup in. Um, 2014 but yeah I'd go Samuel Eto'o because he was just fantastic at club level Barcelona Inter Milan you know famously Barcelona getting rid of him only for him to go to Inter Milan and help them beat Barcelona to go on to win the Champions League is you know yeah Samuel Eto'o just, just such, a, such a fantastic striker you know you're, you're the perfect number nine basically yeah.
0: yeah and famously played for two years at Angie when they had some money he was on like something like 600 yeah. grand a oh, week oh yeah yeah
1: yeah Ridiculous, wasn't it? What happened to them? They still.
0: still I think they had to dissolve. I don't think they exist anymore. I'll just click on them. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, um, they are sixth in the Russian Professional Football League Group One, which is the third tier. So they're kind of like Bolton. (laughs) They are exactly like Bolton. And if you want to read more about Etu and Drogba, Ed Ahrens has written a book called Made in Africa, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, And it's about. African players in the Premier League and interestingly uh-huh. a lot of the players in your 11 I think majority yeah. did play, play in Premier League, the Premier yeah.
1: League. So <laughs> yeah, I think what Sammy Kofor is basically the only one and the goalkeeper
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just they've come so far from the the early days which you document brilliantly. It's very good on the 60s, 70s and 80s. Uh, the technical aspects of football will send people to YouTube clips. What yeah, I... that's why
1: I did feel that while I was describing a lot of the games and the goals where I just thought, this, this looks better than I can and then I can say it. You know, this looks far better than I can put into words. You know, this needs to be viewed. But I didn't want to spend half the book saying, hey, go to YouTube and if you'll never look. So yeah. yeah.
0: No, it certainly prompted me because I don't think I knew the Yakubu miss. Oh. which i've watched a thousand times, and I still can 't believe it um, why is Antar Yahia famous
1: well he um scored the goal in what was part three or four of the hate match between uh, Egypt and Algeria as the two North African rivals vied for a spot at the two thousand and ten World Cup. He scored the decisive goal in the playoff which took place in um in Sudan Sudan. because um, yeah because the um, original well the the final group game the final qualifying group game in Cairo where Egypt needed to win by two goals to just to level up with Algeria at the top of the group and they famously did but Sur- everything around the uh, surrounding the game was just it was controversy. It was a diplomatic incident between two countries. A uh, fans fan trouble. The Algeria team bus being attacked. Uh, anything you can think of that uh, around football that probably isn't football related. Mm. Um, but yeah, they had to play a, a playoff match that c- c- couldn't take place in either country. Because it was that things were that bad and took place in Sudan, and there was still trouble, as predicted. But yeah, that goal was the goal that took Algeria to the World Cup, uh, where they famously went and didn't score a goal.
0: Well, drew down with England, though. I remember watching but that England... game in a German beer house in Edinburgh. And this was yeah. nice to hear your own fans booing you. It was yeah, terrific. yeah. Wayne
1: Rooney. Yeah, that, that was that was the that was the most the, the most entertaining part of that game, basically. Yeah. Wayne Rooney screaming at the camera afterwards. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, so um, yeah, Algeria to reach the World Cup for the first time since since nineteen eighty. Well, no, eighty six. They qualified as well. Yeah, but yeah, famously when they were they could have made waves in eighty two, and then they struggled in eighty six, and then did not make the World Cup again until yeah two thousand and ten um, when you know. It it, it was a long and eventful journey to get there um, due to that playoff with Egypt, which was actually a sequel to
0: a previous previous Egypt-Algeria World Cup playoff that went went in Egypt's favour. I think it's a classico, and I wonder if Algeria and Egypt will play each other at uh, the African Cup of Nations. Uh, The draw was originally scheduled... Uh, for June by the time this goes out we'll know the teams uh, who will be in it Algeria holds the title Cameroon are the hosts. there is a possibility that they'll be drawn together because Egypt are in pot two Um, are you going to call a winner of the African Cup of Nations which takes place in January and February
1: I want to say Nigeria just because of the talent in the team right now I think Nigeria's squad is the best it's been probably since the, the mid 90s um, there is a lot, and there's a lot of Premier League representation as well. There, as you say, um, so like Kolechi in that show, yeah. William and Alexa Alex Iwobi, Who you know, these players have just they've got Premier League experience now, and yeah, the Leon Balogun as well plays for um, Brighton. You mentioned Trusdekor, yeah. econ Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talent in that team, and um, yeah, I think you know if they can get it together. Which has always been sort of the problem with uh, Nigerian football, whether they can sort of coexist, um, then yeah, this could be a, another African Cup of Nations that could they, they could win and, you know, put them in good
0: stead for the World Cup. I, I haven't used I asked Jonathan Wilson once, is the FA Cup the last romantic thing left in football? He said, well, you've obviously never been to the African Cup of Nations because he saw Zambia <laughs> win it in whenever it was, uh, 2012, yeah,
1: 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah they be. Ivory Coast famously on penalties in that final, I think it would have been a, almost sort of 20 years to when they, famed, well, infamously, they lost uh, most of their team in a tragic plane crash. And, um, yeah, that, so that was, well, that's the romantic aspect of it, that, you know, they finally got round to winning this trophy because it was supposedly quite a talented team that they lost mm-hmm. um, in the crash. And they actually got to the final in um, 94 and, uh, lost to Nigeria in the final. And um, it was kind of that, um, you know, at the time, as a child, when, you know, seeing the highlights on like, Eurosport or whatever, it's just like, oh, this is great for Nigeria, again. But, you know, as you grow up and you learn that story about the Zambia team, it uh, becomes like, the, you know, the Mitchell and Webb sketch, are we the baddies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much that. Yeah, Nigeria beating Zambia in that final is like, yeah, yeah, what that... It really
0: wasn't necessary. <laughs> OK, and uh, yeah. last quiz question. What nationality is the head coach of the Nigerian Super Eagles?
1: Girl not raw, he's is... uh,
0: German. Yeah, yeah. QED, yeah. just proving the point. So this book, No Longer Naive, it's about African football at the World Cup. It's a superb book. Well done on uh, putting 10 years of thinking about it into action. <laughs> I hope it gets the um, readership it deserves, both in the UK and in the diaspora, uh, the, and also oh, back long. home in Africa. Published by Pitch, yeah. 12.99. Um, what celebration do you hope that the goal scorer for Nigeria at the African final does? Because throughout the book, you mention the dancing and the celebrations of players like Roger Miller. Uh, so uh-huh. if you could choose one celebration uh, for Nigeria to in- enact... Uh, would it be. Who was that chap at the World Cup who went into the goal net and yelled? Uh, that was
1: uh, Rashidi Yakini. He, yeah. Um, yeah, famously, Nigeria's first goal at a World Cup um, against Bulgaria. He runs into. I mean, it's on the cover, yeah. He runs into the net and just, like, it's that ecstasy as he puts his hands through the net to celebrate. Yeah, African teams. I mean, one of the things <laughs> it seems that we're fam- they're famous for is. The celebrations and sort of like the sort of almost choreographed dance moves and things like that. Putting the shirt down, dancing around it. Roger Miller. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what I'd like to see. I'd, I'd like to see something new and in, inventive. And you know, what 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 can they do
0: that's never been done before? Basically. <laughs> uh huh. Is that who's the number ten on the front cover? Is that Jan?
1: Uh, that is Kalou uh, Fadiga, um, who played for Senegal in two thousand and two, and was yeah, he was. He was Really, it was brilliant for them in that tournament, um, as they, you know, shocked the world, you know, beating France, and everyone thought, okay, that's, you know, they've had their one. But then, um, yeah, got managed to get through the group, and then beat Sweden in the next round, and um, and only lost on. Remember the golden goal? They only lost on golden goal to Turkey in the quarterfinals. They were they were close enough to becoming the first team to reach the semi-finals. Um, there's obviously been other stories, like Cameroon and Ghana as well, have had their their close calls. But, yeah, you know, Senegal could have been the ones in 2002, in right. that World Cup, where it was just right for shots, you know? Yeah. Had they beaten Turkey, they'd have been up against Brazil. I mean, it's doubtful they would have beaten Brazil, but who's to say, you know?
0: That's the great thing about this wonderful game. You dedicate this book to your father. Is he still with us to read it?
1: Uh, no, he passed last year, oh. so... Um, yeah yeah unfortunately um but yeah he would he'd have liked it he'd have enjoyed it um yeah you know he'd always telling me about you know growing up telling me about you know these African- African players that you know you hadn't seen that you know that were not not pop- not big names in England you know he'd always sort of mention a- and the player's name and you know like, okay cool this guy yeah
0: have you got another book ready or planned
1: um I've, I've got I've got ideas it's just uh just about you know formulating if I could if he's if, if, it's, it's, it's all well and good having an idea it's like will it extend to a book or is this just like a, a, an article or even just a series of tweets <laughs> you know so yeah um, no it's um, yeah I've got a couple of ideas but it's uh, just trying to put the plans into action basically. Excellent. So,
0: yeah. and if it is about African football it's a burgeoning section of the football library it's basically Didier Drogba's book um, George Weir's presidential address um, yeah. Ed Aarons Bruce Grobelar his book because yeah. he's in Babylon uh, and yeah, yeah, we need more books about African football. So Ibrahim Mustafa, if anyone's going to write it, it's going to be you. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the summer holidays if you have one. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to speak to you, John. Like 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 Shh.